Hello, and welcome back. You are joining us today for our 28th episode of Opportunity Thrives. I'm Jean Sharp, and on this show, we are committed to better supporting the needs of today's secondary students. Through interviews with students, teachers, administrators, technologists, and education influencers, we want to understand what's working in our schools today, what's not, and how we can impact positive, lasting change. We would love to hear your feedback and suggestions on our show. Please click in the podcast notes to leave us a review, provide your input, or send us your questions. You can also reach out to us at info at opportunitythrives.com. Today, we have the opportunity to speak with district leaders from Tucson Unified School District who are navigating the challenges and opportunities that a district-wide shift to online learning can bring. Joining us today are James Butler, the Senior Director of Instructional Technology and Online Education, and Omar Satalo, the Program Manager for Academic Standards in the Office of Curriculum and Professional Development. They will share their experiences with implementing a district-wide virtual learning program across their district. Welcome to both of you. We're delighted to have you join us to share your experiences and your insights with our listeners. Thank you, Gene. It is a pleasure to be here. Thank you, Gene. We appreciate this opportunity. Excellent. We're delighted. So as we begin today, James, I'd like to invite you to tell us about the Tucson Unified School District and the students that you serve. Thank you, Gene. Tucson Unified School District as the name suggests, is located in Southern Arizona in Tucson, Arizona. We have approximately 42,000 students. We are blessed to have approximately 86 campuses, over 200 square miles, taking up most of Tucson, Arizona. Every day we are focused on making sure that our community understands that we are honored by their children's presence whether it's in-person, online, or a combination of some sort, whether it's blended or hybrid, we are truly honored. We understand that our community is very diverse and as such requires different needs that we are honor-bound to meet the needs of those students. We want to make sure that we provide a very rigorous, relevant, and engaging environment to encourage teaching and learning and student achievement. So that's what we're about in the broad scope. Thank you for that background, James. I'm wondering if you could share with our listeners how you have historically used online learning in Tucson Unified School District to serve the learning needs of your students. And what does that look like today? So I think we can all agree, this may sound like a a little bit of a ramble, but there is a point to this. I think we can agree that the giant big red button for education has been pressed compliments of the situation that we are in now. Prior to the pandemic, Tucson Unified, like several other school districts, we had basic high schools that were what one would consider traditional high schools, elementary schools and middle schools. And we also had an online school which was 100% online, okay? So we didn't have any in-person contact with the exception of the fact that 
the students at that online school were able to come in once in a while to get in-person interaction with their teachers in sort of a lab environment. So we, in addition to that, we also had available to students across our district credit recovery programs that were available to students throughout our district at each school. And I think Omar can talk a little bit more about that, but we also had a smaller hybrid program that we called Project More, which was a little more intense in that it was small. Students got more personalized instruction simply because the teachers were able to do things that you couldn't do on a broader scale just because of the numbers. So in bottom line, students got more attention during the day because the numbers were very, very small. So that was pretty much the picture at a high level prior to COVID. Now, historically, just want to take an 80,000-foot view. Historically speaking, we all know as educators that we've been, since the 21st century began, we have been talking about things that we'd like to do. It would be nice to do this. Oh, it would be great if we could do this for kids as a broad scale for the entire K-12 education in the United States and across the world. Then all of a sudden, COVID, the big red button got pushed. So while it's certainly a challenge in a bad sort of way, there's also an opportunity to step back and say, wait a minute, we're now in the year 2020, which means the 21st century is one-fifth completed which means that there are kindergartners now, right now, going to school, who will actually see the 22nd century. So to that end, what story are they going to tell their great-grandchildren about what it was like to go to school in the 21st century and to go to school while you had a pandemic? We have one shot at this. They're only in kindergarten one time. They're only in their sophomore year one time, et cetera, et cetera. We have to get this right. So to get this right, what we take great pride in doing is making sure that we partner with vendors who understand the importance of providing a quality, rigorous, and relevant opportunity for teaching and learning in the digital age, and they come in and actually listen to our story. It's not a matter of, well, take this out of the box, and here it is, here you go, and good luck with that. No, we have to make sure that we build an ecosystem of applications that have a purpose and fit and align with what it is we are trying to do as a district. James, I love the way that you put this in a contextual framework that really talks about the legacy that we're building now for the future of our kids as well. And you are right, given that disruption of education that began last spring, that great big red button as you refer to it, I would love for you to tell our listeners how Tucson pivoted to meet the learning needs of your students as the new school year began this fall. So 
Omar can attest to this. We took all of the talent that we could muster out of Tucson Unified and all these minds and all this talent got together and said, okay, we are going to build not only an ecosystem that works in the current situation, but we're going to build an ecosystem that students will be able to eventually thrive as best that they possibly can under the current situation. And what that looks like is, that looks like you get curriculum folks talking to technology folks, talking to operational folks, talking to transportation people, and we all get together and say, okay, we know Tucson Unified, and we know what our goals are. So what does that look like when we operationalize that in the current situation? In other words, if you were to rebuild a school district from scratch, keeping in mind the fundamentals of what it is we're trying to do as a school district, what does that look like in the, in the current environment? So we had principals, we had teachers, we had folks from language acquisitions who all got together and said, we're going to do this because at the end of the day, there's somebody's child who depends upon us getting this right, and we only have one shot at this. And because we only have one shot at this, and because we have to get it right, we have to combine our best efforts, our best talent, with the best partners that we can find who understand the importance of teaching and learning in the current environment so that students can not only thrive, but they have the support that they need and they're able to achieve as best they can, again, under the current situation. And I would share with our audience as well that in my conversations that I've had with you and Omar and others in the district, that commitment to students and student success is just ever present in everything you do. Omar, I'm curious, your role is focused on the successful implementation of digital learning resources across the district. So as you began to prepare for this new school year, what were some of your goals for online learning and how has your team adapted to ensure that major shift to virtual learning provided all students access to quality learning online? That's a great question, Jean. My department has the amazing pleasure of really focusing in on our educators. And with that say, being said, we had two major goals. One, equitable access to all our educators, to our platforms in which we were able to purchase for the school year. That is a goal that we still work on because most platforms focus on getting the students situated with, with their rostered teacher. Well, our district is very unique in that. And then we also have amazing ex-ed teachers, ELD teachers additional support staff that act as coaches on campus. We have teaching assistants and all of these people, along with administration, they need also access to these platforms and how to utilize them to increase student academic performance. And so ensuring that they all had access to these students and how they can best perform in supporting our students' academic growth. So that's been our first goal. Our second goal was to ensure that teachers had access to PD at their comfort level of online learning. Now, when I talk about the comfort level, I'm not talking about we had a veteran teacher for 20 years, so we're going to teach them differently as opposed to this novice. 
because actually those roles almost switched for us. We have these amazing veteran teachers who in the brick and mortar in-person classroom were amazing. But when they switched to online, they had a lot of struggles. And we had in the flip, we had these novice teachers who actually grew up in a digital age and felt, felt very comfortable with the platforms and online learning and talking to people over the phone. So talking to people over the computer became very natural. And so we had to adjust our PD in our department to reach the comfort level of each educator in our district so that they had choices to do that. So one way we did that before the year's stand is to add on to what James talked about is we partnered up with, with James' department, Curriculum Professional Development and Instructional Technology Department, and we really put together two platforms, the how, which is the instructional tools on how to deliver a lesson to our students, example, like Microsoft Teams, and the what. What was the platform? What was the content that you were going to use in order to align with the curriculum to deliver? And make sure that these two hows and what's complemented each other and that the teachers were able to utilize these tools and these platforms at a comfort level that they were moving into before August started. You remind me very much, Omar, what we talk about a great deal, which is really surrounding students with support to ensure that they are successful, but also when we think about our teachers and our staff, really meeting them where they are and giving them the tools and resources that they need to be successful in their implementation as well. Clearly, you have needed to find good partners to come alongside you as you achieve your goals. So I'm wondering if both of you would elaborate a bit on what criteria you established as you sought good digital learning partners to support your initiatives in Tucson. And Omar, let's start with you. So to kind of add on to James' description of Tucson Unified School District, expanding over 200 square miles, we have schools on reservations all the way into foothills of mountains and very diverse. We're also very huge partners with refugee services. And so Tucson Unified School District actually places only behind the Los Angeles School District for the number of of languages spoken within our schools. We're also a very large Title I district, which over 80% of our students qualify for Title I services. And so we wanted to ensure that when we partner with vendors and looking at their platforms and how they can align with Tucson Unified School District curriculum, we wanted to make sure that our vendors understood the uniqueness of our students' cultures. And we can adapt those platforms to meet the needs of all our cultural learners in Tucson Unified School District. So that was priority number one. Did they understand that we are a district who is student-centered and that we need to differentiate and meet the needs of our students? And then technology-wise, yeah, we have a lot of different devices and Wi-Fi issues and equitable issues towards technology. And were they going to be able to support us and helping deliver that to all our students across the district? Thank you, Omar. That's really insightful. James, is there something you would add on to that in terms of your criteria in looking for good digital partners? Just to piggyback on what Omar said so eloquently, another vital factor for any vendor that Tucson Unified School District partners with is they have to be able to listen. Come in, listen to our story. Don't start with you have the greatest product known to man. Just come in, listen to our story, and really get a clear understanding of 
what we're looking for, what we need, and will what you're offering fit into our ecosystem? My department, the folks who work for me, they tease me all the time because I say this all the time. I preach this until I'm blue in the face. I have a phrase, and the phrase is, will it play in Peoria? And in reference to an old vaudeville phrase where supposedly some famous comedian said, the question is not, is the joke funny on, in Times Square in New York City? The question, it, with all due respect to the good folks in New York City, the question is, will it play in Peoria? Okay? So the question is not, oh, our product is so fantastic and this, that, and the other thing. The question is, will what you have to offer fit and do what it's supposed to do in our ecosystem? That is the question, ultimately. So that comes back to coming in and listening to what we are looking for first, rather than starting out with how great you are. My first teaching job was in Peoria, Illinois. Now, Peoria, <laughs> Peoria wow. Illinois. So I'm laughing as you tell this story, James. <laughs> Small world. I happen to be from Isn't Chicago, it? so there you go. Yes, I am too. I grew up in oh, Chicago. Wow. So. Oh, yes. <laughs> It's a small world. It is a small world. That's one of the things that we really, we really take seriously. And we found, frankly, to my surprise, that there are vendors out there that don't understand it. They don't really understand it, number one. And number two, in K-12 education, it doesn't matter what state you're in. We don't have an infinite amount of funding. Okay. So sometimes vendors will come in and not fully appreciate the funding challenges that districts may or may not have in any given state. It doesn't matter whether it's Arizona, Nebraska, it doesn't matter. Sometimes we have found that vendors simply don't realize that and give you kind of a cockeyed look like, well, what do you mean? You know, So it can be a challenge. It can be a challenge. But then on the flip side, when you find those vendors that really are sincere and come in and actually listen, we find that it's a win-win-win situation. A win for the vendor, a win for the district, and ultimately a win for the students because, after all, we are all here to support teaching and learning. And if we're not doing one of those two things, i.e. supporting teaching, supporting learning, then there's no reason for us to be here. I couldn't agree with you more. James, I'm interested. Implementing a new initiative at scale inevitably surfaces some challenges. Some of them perhaps we anticipated. Others were more unexpected. From a logistical and technical lens, what were some of the hurdles that you faced in moving to a district-wide online learning implementation? And how have you been able to navigate those challenges? There was a company that shall remain nameless because I don't know if they're in business or not, but their slogan, I believe, was ideas, ideas, ideas. In other words, pre-COVID, some people, let's face it, you're in a meeting and you're having a conversation with someone and then something goes through your head. You think, you know, why don't we try that? No, no, maybe we should wait on that. That may not work at this point. Then that big red button gets pushed and any 
idea that people have that you think may be out of the box, a little bit wackadoodle, hey, put it on the table and see what happens. Vet this idea and see if it makes sense. So one of the challenges we found was, okay, we're in a situation, we need some sort of structure in order for everybody to communicate quickly and in a way that people can understand. So the first challenge was to standardize how we as a school district are going to communicate when we have these meetings, when we have to talk to a teacher, when we have to do all the things that make a school district run. That was the first challenge. The second challenge is now that you've found out how you're going to communicate, how are you going to support that internal communication? Then the next challenge was, and this was something we all knew, and this is what I mean by the pre- the big red button, and after the big red button. Before the big red button was pushed, we knew, I mean, let's face it, in K-12 education, there are those who may not be as tech savvy as other people, okay? That showed up loud and clear after that big red button was pushed. It's one thing when, well, I don't know how to do this, but that's okay. Or a certain parent may not, be able to navigate computers so well, but that's okay. When that big red button is pushed, now you're challenged with, we need to build an infrastructure that addresses the needs of our community because that's our responsibility. This is our community. So we owe it to them. That's why we're here. So a huge challenge was, how do you scale tech support in a way that you can sustain it not just for kids, but for the parent who's at home trying to help the student who can't seem to log in quite right? Or how do you support the grandparents who may or may not be as tech savvy as someone else? It's a challenge. So those were some of the things that we had to work through. And it starts with ideas, ideas, ideas. You get the best minds around a cyber table, if you will. And we hashed all that out. That's great, James, because good ideas come from anywhere and you never know what's going to really make the difference. Absolutely. Fantastic. Omar, I'm curious, one of the pain points that many districts faced was that shift to online learning was at the time to get teachers comfortable with the technology. James just mentioned that as well with the technology, the tools, and how to teach online. It does require thinking differently about how instruction is delivered. I'm wondering if you would elaborate a little bit on how your team has been able to equip teachers with professional development and training and support that they need to get comfortable and to become effective with online learning. Well, there's a very ongoing process to ensure that never feel comfortable with the teachers feeling comfortable, always adapting. But to start off the school year, we actually hosted one of the largest back-to-school conferences in Southern Arizona because we are the largest school district in Southern Arizona. We house about 3,000 educators, and we needed to get them all up to speed within three days and be ready to teach online. And so we did that with what we called a back-to-school kickoff conference in which we had professional development from every single department in the district. And so our department put together this conference in that we wanted to ensure that teachers could sign up for whatever classes they felt 
needed priority in order to start the school year off on the right foot. And so we offered asynchronous training, synchronous training, platform navigation and function, attendance, social emotional learning. We offered tracking students' attendance for students who did not have technology. You know, how do you get a hold of them and how do you ensure there was teaching? And so how do you deliver materials to homes? Or how do you teach a lesson even on over the phone? We had numerous PDs to choose from. And so that provided our educators with a lot of choice. It showed them that we recognized that they had talents already and that maybe there was challenge that they wanted to focus on. And so that brought a lot of buy-in to we're all in this together and that we're going to start the school off together. In order to make that happen, we developed a lot of cohorts. So we worked with our vendors in doing a train-the-trainer model. And we got a lot of our teachers or our experts in online education or their experts in their field of content. And they just needed a little extra boost on the online portion. And we grabbed these cohorts and we trained them on how to deliver. So we were able to offer a lot of different sessions. And so with that, we continue to build through weekly PDs over at sites. We also hold something called CIPDA and it's well, James could help me with this one, but I think it's Curriculum Professional Development Academy. Academy, yeah. Curriculum Instruction Professional Development Academy. And what we do is we train the support staff at sites on how to better coach and implement strategies for online learning. And so they also act as our extended arm into the sites. And then we, our department, along with multiple other departments, we offer extended weekly office hours. So teachers, administrators, whoever can call in to ask questions and seek support. And we offer that way. And educators have been very responsive to that. I can imagine, Omar, it sounds like you have led an amazing effort, a very impressive effort to really meet the needs of your teachers and give them choice around that. It strikes me that you're doing a lot of modeling for your teachers in the same way that you're hoping your teachers will then take that to model for their students as well. So you mentioned that the teachers have been very responsive, educators have been very responsive. Can you give us a little insight in that? What kind of feedback have you received? It's been very positive. They like having choice. It shows that we recognize their talents already and that we're building on their challenges or we're able to share their successes with each other. They like that they have access to our department now on a weekly basis. We get a lot of calls in on a weekly basis from teachers ex-ed teachers, ELD, just across the board, administration will call in. So they've been very responsive to that. One of the parts that they've asked for, they've asked for more direct PD from our vendors so they could hear from the source themselves. And we have adapted to that. One of the days of our extended office hours are going to turn into what we call specialty hours, where a lot of our vendors will be able to hold their own Q&A sessions. It's been very positive, I think, among our leaders, our educators, just knowing that they have an ear to talk to, I think is one of the big things that our department has been very responsive towards. And it sounds like you're continuing to adapt to meet the needs as they are going forward as well. I'm curious, with that great experience that you have in terms of setting up this model, what recommendations do you have that you might share with other districts when it comes to educator training and the need to prepare teachers for a new way of delivering instruction? So just to go back to that choice, it was very important to us to recognize the different levels of expertise in our district and develop PDs 
to meet the different levels and providing that choice. Like an elementary teacher, they might need more focus in math than ELA. And so they have that choice of learning best practices for asynchronous lessons in mathematics where they might not need it so much in ELA. And that that buys a lot of buy-in from our educators. And it also allows us to learn more from our educators in the point that if we know who our experts are in the district, we know who our novice, we can build communities that way and have them talk to each other. And so that is one of the recommendations I have for other school districts is recognize where your educators are at and build your PDs around their strengths and challenges and let them choose on where they want to grow for the year. That's excellent advice. I'm curious how the students in Tucson Unified District adapting to online learning. Have you taken any steps to ensure that they are engaged and supported and the expectations for learning are clear for the students as well? Yeah, we have. And we would actually go in and we would actually sit in some Zoom sessions. Most of our synchronous sessions were on Zoom. We've also given surveys out to students and families. We do find that students did struggle in this environment only because our profession it was built on relationships in a physical environment. You know, Absolutely. Yeah, teachers could go to a student and talk to them one-on-one. Where in a Zoom, you're staring at all 30 students and it's kind of hard to secretly talk to Omar who you know might be struggling on something without the other 30 students hearing it. And so a lot of our teachers started reverting back to teacher-centered instruction instead of student-centered instruction. And so that's been one of the focuses in our department is is to ensure that student-centered instruction came to the forefront again for online instruction. Excellent. James, I'm curious, from your perspective, are there takeaways or lessons learned that are beginning to emerge that you would share with other districts as they navigate that process of implementing online programs across their districts? Absolutely. I think I want to piggyback on what Omar once again said so eloquently, one of the things that his department curriculum and instruction came up with was in addition to PD, so curriculum instruction in Tucson Unified School District provides professional development for teachers. My department, instructional technology, also provides professional development for teachers. So we have often over the years combined forces and at no time has that been even more or more relevant and evident than when Omar's department developed what we call office hours, where not only we have opportunities for teachers to come in for a structured PD, but we also have opportunities for teachers to come in with an issue. In other words, they log into a Zoom and say, I have an issue. My office 365, I can't get this to work. What do I do in this situation? I'm trying to teach. So what we do is we provide subject matter experts from around the district to address teachers' issues live, in actual live time, so that a person can go in and we triage and we say, okay, thank you for coming to office hours. How may I help you today? Well, you see, I had this kid on Zoom XYZ. So it's been fantastic. And that includes not only professional development in terms of subject matter, how do I teach math, but it could also include a teacher coming in with questions about how do I do a certain high-level function in our district student information system? How do I put in this grade? It could be anything under the sun that a teacher would need to know. 
and we provide time so that teachers can come in. They don't need an appointment. They just log in and they get assigned a specific space, if you will, in Zoom or a room. And there's someone there to address that issue. So what have we learned? We've learned that we take what we learned before the big red button was pushed and we tweak it, we change it, we add new ideas, we do not reinvent the wheel, we reach out to other school districts, no matter what size they are, big, small, or in between, and we realize that we are in this together as a community of learners worldwide. It's not just a pandemic in Tucson, Arizona. It's the definition of a pandemic is worldwide. So at no time in recent history has it been more important to not only leverage internally best ideas you have, but also to collaborate with other school districts who are going through the same thing. And it is very obvious in both Omar's input and yours, James, that that notion of collaboration and working together and solving those problems together is part of what your success is in Tucson. James, I'm curious, do you have any advice or best practices that are emerging when you think about other technology leaders and what they might benefit from hearing? I think one of the takeaways, I would encourage everyone to not look at the title that someone holds for trying to get good ideas because titles are irrelevant. You know, grab whoever you can find, the custodian, the butcher, the baker, the candlestick maker. I mean, just everybody under the sun because you don't know what nobody has the corner market on great ideas. The time that you think that you're the smartest person in the room is the time you need to give it up and find something else to do. Okay. There are tons and tons of dedicated people that work for your school district who have fantastic ideas, but nobody even asked them. So I would encourage people to leverage the human capital that's right under your own roof first for fantastic ideas that can be operationalized. Absolutely. I want to share another question or ask another question of you both. Flexibility and agility are certainly two of the postures that we've needed to adopt in 2020 and 2021 school year. And I wonder if each of you will share a little bit about how you think your collective experiences over that past eight to nine months have impacted what schools will likely be going forward. What do you anticipate will stick in your district when the pandemic is over? Omar, let me start with you. This pandemic, while as tragic as it's been towards everybody, it did bring some light to our district. One, the inequity of technology spread across our district and especially to our families. And access to Wi-Fi at all our sites and to our families, so it's something that our district heavily invested in to ensure that our district basically went to a one-to-one device. And even when the pandemic is over, that's not going to go away. Our students are going to have these devices now. Our teachers are going to understand there is another way to instruct, and that is utilizing technology and letting the students lead that because now they have information at their fingertips. So it's not about memorizing information anymore. It's about critical thinking and inquiry and what to do with that information in order to better their lives academically. 
That's great insight. James, what would you add? I'll answer the question this way. I won't say how old I am, but I'll just say I'm of a certain age, okay? And growing up on the south side of Chicago, you had two restaurants, two fast food places in the city where I grew up. There was one on one corner, and if you crossed the street, there was the other restaurant, and I'm sure most people can figure out what that is. Fast forward to now. There's every restaurant under the sun where you can get a hamburger. Bottom line, after this pandemic is over, the expectation of our customers, if you will, because they are customers, because these people, our community pays taxes and they expect our very best to make sure that their students are ready for the future. The expectation is going to be that people have choices, that we as a school district have the capacity to provide more choices for learning, whether it's fully online, whether it's hybrid, whether it's blended. There may be expectations for people to go to school certain days a week and not go to school certain days a week. There's going to be more expectations of people to have more choices in their education of their child. In the age of you have people doing micro schools now where parents, I'm sure you guys have heard of this, where parents get together and they pool their resources and there's just like this little bubble of students who go to tutoring from a provider who happens to be a teacher. So there's all kinds of choices out there now, expectations, and that's going to be continuing well after the pandemic is over. I agree. I also believe that we can find good even in our messiest circumstances. So I'm curious, what keeps you optimistic? What silver linings do you see as you think about the opportunities before Tucson Unified School District and your opportunity to emerge changed and stronger and even more focused on serving the needs of all of your students? I would say that to see the creativity that is applied by students using technology in this pandemic is a sight to see. It's a fantastic thing. We've seen band concerts and choral concerts and mariachi singing on Zoom at the same time. And anyone who's done any type of editing knows that it is quite hard to get everything in sync, especially when you're dealing with multiple entities. So that's been extremely encouraging. And also, it was my sincere honor and privilege to be a small part of watching teachers being handed this situation that we're in now. Say, okay, guys, this is unprecedented. We've never done this before. And it's like watching master engineers saying, okay, we can craft this. You start out with like a hunk of marble, and then all of a sudden you have a sculpture. It's just fantastic to see how great minds in K-12 education crafted this pandemic school, if you will, whereby kids can actually learn and teachers can actually teach. Is it ideal? No, we're not going to pretend like it's ideal. But let's remember from whence we came. And we've made exponential leaps and bounds in the right direction when it comes to figuring out best practices under the current circumstances. Thank you, James. Omar, any closing thoughts on that as well? 
Yes, when this messiness, as you put it, hit. Our district, it's the second largest in Arizona and at 42 plus thousand, which might be like a medium-sized district when you start talking about larger states and cities. But as large as we are, we all came together. And we came together, not pointing fingers, but coming together with solutions on how to best support our teachers and our students. And it's just amazing how we've come out the other side and we continuously grow with just those two people on our forefront of our minds. How are our educators doing? How are our students doing? How can we best support them? And the teachers and the students and the families have been very responsive. I get tons of emails all the time thanking me, asking me for suggestions, showing me what their students have produced. I started even taking calls from families, you know, hey, how do I handle this situation? How do I work with this platform? And we're all going above and beyond and working together as the Tucson community. And so I know that when this is all done, we're going to be better and stronger because of it. And I'm kind of excited to see what the years to come for for TUSD. Both of you are such strong examples of leadership and collaboration and passion around the the needs of your Tucson community and what you're doing to serve your district. It's just a pleasure. James or Omar, do you have anything you would like to share that I haven't asked you yet? Just to echo Omar's sentiments, I mean, I cannot tell you how excited I am to see what is in the future for Tucson Unified School District. As Omar indicated, we all came together. There was no finger pointing. There was no weak. At no point at any time did I ever hear someone say, we can't. It was more like, why don't we try this? Why don't we try it this way? But at no time did I ever in any meeting or talking to anyone, teacher, principal, assistant superintendent, nobody said, we can't. So it was very humbling. It was an honor to be here. And I'm truly excited to be a part of the future here in Tucson Unified. Well, James and Omar, thank you so much for your time today. It's always a pleasure for me to talk to district leaders. And this conversation has been exceptional today as you find ways to excel online. As you continue to find your way through this unique time in education, I know that your insights and And the way that you have approached things will be so helpful to other district leaders. My best to you as you continue to serve the needs of the students and the teachers in Tucson. Thank you, Jean. Thank you very much. Thank you, Jean. We appreciate this opportunity. And Opportunity Thrives listeners, thank you for your time today. If you're enjoying our podcast, we would love it if you would take just a minute of your time and share your feedback on our show by providing a review on either Spotify, iTunes, or whatever platform you listen. And please reach out to us with questions or comments at info at opportunitythrives.com. Thanks so much for tuning in today, and we'll see you next time.